Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. Chris Matthew, I'm having an awesome time here at the Laughlin UFO Mega Conference. I'm here with Garnett Schulhauser, who had an amazing presentation. Garnett, how you doing? Or how are you enjoying the conference? Very much so, yeah. I'm, I'm doing just well, and thank you for the compliment. Yeah, yeah. So um, tell me, how are you um, enjoying the presentations here? Do you find that you relate to many of the uh, contactees? Yeah, I, I do actually, and, and the, the the group of speakers here is just really quite amazing. I mean, they've done a really good job. The conference is very well organized, and uh, I really love being here. So I'm very happy to be one of the participants to, to one of the speakers. Very good. Um, your presentation was about your astral travels with your spirit guide, mm -hmm. Albert. Yes. Uh, tell us, tell us about your first encounter with Albert. That was a very interesting story. Right. Well. It was still when I was practicing law. Like I practiced, I was practicing law, a corporate lawyer in Calgary, in Canada. And uh, I was walking down the street one sunny afternoon, and all of a sudden, this homeless man just literally jumped out of the shadows, stood right in front of me, and stopped me. And he looked like a typical homeless man because he had long, stringy hair and scraggly beard and dirty, slept in clothes. Um, and but I didn't sort of walk around him like I usually did when I encountered these people on the street because most of the time they were panhandling for money, and I was. Uh, Back in those days, I was an arrogant, condescending corporate lawyer who didn't, you know, I would think to myself to these, about these people, I, I would think, why don't you get a job like the rest of us, you bum, and quit living on the street, you know? So that was my my awful attitude I had towards homeless people. So anyway, this homeless man was different because he had these amazing, dazzling blue eyes. Um, and uh, I felt like he was looking right into the depths of my soul. I felt like he knew everything about me, everything I'd ever said or done in my life which was quite a surprise because I'd never met this man, never seen him before. And, but at the same time, he was sending me this wave of pure, unconditional love. His eyes were just beaming this towards me. It infused my whole body with an amazing sense of peace and security and well-being. And so I, it was just a wonderful feeling. So I stood there like a deer caught in the headlights. Sort of, I was happy to just uh, uh, bask in the, in the gaze from this, this man in his eyes. And then he broke the spell by saying to me, why are you here? Then he promptly disappeared into a nearby store. And so I stood there for a while, kind of stunned, and then I finally collected my wits, and I thought, I better go find this guy, find out who he is. I went into the store to find him, nowhere to be seen. So I walked out of the store, and I walked up and down for several blocks, hoping to spot him, but he had disappeared into thin air. So I walked back to my office, and I thought to myself, you know, I've got to come back the next day to try to find this man, because I, you know, my curiosity was just going wild you know like who was he and how did he have these amazing eyes and all that sort of thing you know um so next day very same street very same time i went to find him i walked up and down for 15 or 20 minutes couldn't see him i was about to give up and finally i spotted him sitting all alone on a bench so i went up to him and i said who are you and why did you stop me the other day and he said well i'm a soul just like you I'm here to answer your questions and help you on your journey. So then my skeptical lawyer brain kicked in. Once you're a lawyer, you never get rid of your lawyer brain. <laughs> so I said to him, why do you think you can help me when you can't even help yourself? Because you look like you've been sleeping on the street for weeks. And you smell like a dead fish. And he just gave me a big smile. And he said, you know, looks can be deceiving. Because you look like you, you're a very successful corporate lawyer with everything under control. But we both know that's just a facade. Right. He said, you know what? 
you want to turn around, go back to your office and see if you can find the answers you've been seeking on all those emails waiting for you on your computer. And of course he knew there would be no answers. Emails we would be from my clients wanting something done. Right. So he, so he, he said, yeah, go ahead if you want. You don't have to, you don't have to talk to me. My intuition luckily said, I need to talk to this man. I mean, I mean, what did I have to lose? Half an hour of my day. So I sat down on the bench and we began a dialogue with him that went off and on for several months. He told me his name was Albert and he's really one of my spirit guides. And uh, so we went, we had this conversation, this Q&A dialogue that went on, as I say, for several months. He manifested himself as the homeless man for just the first three encounters that we had. And after that, he was just a voice in my head. And when I asked him why he showed up initially as the homeless man, he said, well, if I had just started talking to you as a voice in your head, uh, you know, out of the blue, you probably would have thought you're losing your mind. Right. So this was his way of gently introducing me into the conversation with him. And then he told me something else that was surprising. He said that I was the only one who could see him as the homeless man. So if somebody had been walking by the bench that day, they would have seen me sitting all alone on the bench talking to myself because I couldn't see Albert. And I found it interesting, and then some of the other um, people that was sitting around me, you know, noticed that the depiction of Albert looked very similar to Jesus. Yeah, and 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 that's uh, <clears throat> yeah, and, and that's true. I was looking for trying to find a. I didn't have a camera with me, so I couldn't uh, take his picture. Um, and I suspect that even if I tried, nothing would have showed up. So I was trying to find an internet something that looked similar to Albert. Couldn't find anything. That was the closest. It's not a close approximation other than he had long hair and a beard. But yeah, it's it sort of, that, that wasn't a great depiction, but uh, without a sort of an actual photograph, that's the best I could go on. But, but he was, uh, uh, he, he had, uh, uh, you know, long hair and a, and a beard and, and blue eyes and, uh, um, and, and very sort of dirty clothes, but I couldn't find anything that sort of even came close. So right. unfortunately I had to use one of those pictures, which was probably what somebody depicted as Jesus, but nobody knows what Jesus really looked like. Yeah, you know, people are just saying, "Well, we think this is what he looks like," and some of the uh, the uh, the art from the medieval ages, you know, where the people would paint pictures of the of Jesus and that sort of thing. That's sort of how they depicted him. So, who knows what what he really looks like? So, right. Um, and he also began to share information with you about many things, about everything, and especially that there are billions of life forms in our universe. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah exactly. He. He, he wanted me to know that, um, you know, Earth is just sort of one little speck in the cosmos that has life, and that there's life everywhere else. I mean, and he, he said billions and billions of different life forms. He took me to see a few of them on different planets, but there's a whole lot more that I haven't seen. And he just wanted me to know that, you know, in, in the history of humans, we've had this arrogance that we're sort of the only life in the, in the cosmos and that we're the most important life. Uh, and he just said, you're not even close. I mean, there's uh, lots of races that are way more intelligent than humans on Earth. Uh, they have better technology. They can fly between the stars. We're just taking baby steps here. And he wanted me to know that that there's there's lots of other races and that there's even more. There's even other human races, civilizations, and other planets that are doing way better than we are. And so it was, for him, it was sort of like, you know, here, open up your eyes because there's a lot more to to see than than what you can see on planet Earth. And that, uh, and one of his messages was, look at humans really should tr tr strive to, to, to up their game and become better at uh, 
at not abusing each other or the animals on the planet or Mother Earth, like some of these other races have learned to live in harmony. And that's really our goal is to get there because we have too much violence, too many wars, too many conflicts, you know, murders, mass shootings and all that. That's not necessary. I mean, we can really we need to get rid of that and, 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 and move on and, and move up the vibratory ladder. Um, and so and, and so his purpose was to show not just me, but he wanted me to write uh, about what I saw in my books so that other people could read about it and, and understand that, okay, we're not alone. There's lots of other life forms. Fortunately for us, he said that, that all the ET races who have visited Earth, and they've been doing this for eons, you know, right from day one. Some of them have even helped to seed life on, on our planet. They've been around for a long time, and he says they're all benevolent. There's no, there's no evil races that have visited Earth. Uh, none of them mean us any harm. In fact, they're there to help us, and they can't, they can't be too overt about it because um, the, the, the body of advanced civilizations that sort of runs the, the galaxy, uh, the Galactic Federation, they have some directives, directives, and one of them is you can't unduly interfere with uh, the development of an inferior race. To them, we're an inferior race, you know, so they can't. So, I mean, their technology would allow them to just come and destroy all of our weapons of mass destruction, uh, but they're not allowed to do that. So they have to let us sort of fumble our way through, hopefully getting to a better place before we do destroy ourselves, because we could do that. And, and, and so, but they can help us in, in, in subtle ways. They can send us, they send, like to a lot of the inventors on earth that, are, uh, that have invented things, they send te uh, telepathic messages to them, giving them hints about how to fix this or develop that or invent that. And it's, and it's very subtle and most people don't even know what happens. So they are trying to help us, but um, they, uh, they can't just sort of wave the magic wand and fix everything for us. Because that would be undue influence and that they can't do that. Now you said that, um all the races that visited Earth are benevolent races. Now, what do you think about, you know, they've even had quite a few speakers here that are saying quite the opposite, that races such as the reptilians have always been here and they're in sort of in a, a control of humanity in a way, and that there are other malevolent races that interact with humanity and some that interact with the highest levels of our um, elite leaders on the planet. What are your thoughts about that? I've heard about that. I've asked Albert about that. He says that's just not true. He says there are reptilian races in, in the galaxy for sure. And some of them have visited Earth, but they have no malevolent intent. Um, they're, they're here just to observe what's going on and to help us. Um, and uh, so he's, he just says, no, that's wrong. He did say that there are some malevolent races living on planets in our galaxy that haven't developed uh, interstellar travel. And so they, you know, there, there are some violent races that abuse each other just like we do, but they haven't gotten out of their, of their planetary system yet. And he says that the Galactic Federation, one of the things they do is they watch to make sure that none of these barbaric races actually break out of their, their, their planetary system and go wage war on other planets. So they're sort of there to watch. That's why all the people who have been visiting us are benevolent. And, and, what, and one of the interesting things he said is that they, they, they keep a careful watch on some of these barbaric races. And when they get to the point where they develop warp drive, where they can travel to other star systems, then they watch them very carefully to make sure that they don't you know, travel to another star system and try to take over that, the, the people on that planet, wage war or whatever. So they're kind of shielding us from all, some of these evil uh, races. There are reptilians, but they're not evil. They don't control us. 
so Albert just says, no, that's totally wrong. I've heard those stories before, and I asked Albert, and he said, no, it doesn't happen. Very interesting. Um, you also spoke uh, of reincarnation and how we get to choose our lives when we come back. And I've heard this many times through many different researchers. Um, tell us about what your interpretation is. Well, it, 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 you see, we're all eternal beings. We're basically our true home is the spirit side, where we, we're just basically beings of energy, very high vibration rate. Okay, spirit side is a wonderful place with some religions called heaven. It's, it's, there's no pain or suffering or negative emotions, just unconditional love. And so we choose to incarnate, say, on the denser planes like Earth. I mean, we can incarnate on another planet as a reptilian if we want to. Uh, so we, we've chosen to come here as a human. Uh, Earth is a very tough school, so it's not for the faint of heart, because it's, it's, it is really is a tough school. Um, and so we, we come here. Why do we come here? Because we have uh, we, we want to experience things and learn lessons that are available on planet Earth that maybe aren't available elsewhere and certainly aren't available on the spirit side. And so that's all part of our growth and development as souls. We want to we want to experience things, accumulate knowledge and wisdom, and that's just sort of what souls want to do. And so so before we incarnate, we prepare a life plan and we basically set out the significant terms of of what's coming up in our life. Like you, you pick the place you're going to be born, the identity of your parents and siblings, other relatives. You pick other a few a few other milestones, like you know where you're going to go to school, maybe even who your spouse will be, and uh, and 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 and, 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 and it, it, part of that life plan, you set out certain directions, certain routes that you hope will, will uh, get you to encounter the challenges that you need to face and the lessons you need to learn. So it's all a learning experience, and we pick it and we choose it. But it's it's a cooperative effort because the people who are your parents and your siblings, for example, they have to agree to be part of your life, and you have to agree to be part of their lives. So it's kind of a, a group effort to develop your life plan. Um, and and so and, and quite often we all travel in soul groups, you know. And so you might have a, a group of, of souls that you've had many incarnations with before, and you change roles. Like one time you're the father and the next time you're the mother or the daughter or whatever, keep on changing roles. And, and, and the purpose is to help each other learn the lessons that they want to learn and the challenges they want to encounter. So that's all set out. But the problem is, is that that doesn't make your life etched in stone because when you're born, you forget that you have a life plan, forget where you came from and you have free will to, to, to take actions and make decisions. And so you, you know, you can easily, every one of us can easily spray off the course that we hope to follow, uh, and we often do. But Albert says at the end of the day, no matter what kind of life you had, even if you missed all the points that you wanted to hit on your journey, you still learn something. You go back to the spirit side when your body dies, and then you can say, okay, well, this is what I missed. Should I jump into another one and, and try to include those points again? You know, Or if, you, or if you've uh, faced a challenge that you could not overcome, you know, you might say, well, I'm going to go back and, and, and try to do it again. But nobody forces you to do that. It, it's not a sort of a wheel of karma thing that makes you come back. Regard, you know, if you have negative karma, you can choose to come back here. You can choose the circumstances of your new life. Um, or you can just say, oh, to heck with planet Earth. I'm not going back there again. So it's, it's, it's really, a, it's really a, you're here because you want it to be here. Very good. Um, yeah, I happen to agree with you up. Uh, the more I hear research about this um, and my own 
intuition feeling is that yes we do experience multiple lifetimes uh, and existences here on this planet um, something else i found very fascinating about your presentation is when you talk about uh your you actually got to experience the spirit realm and visit with a being uh called sophia Mm -hmm. And from there, you got to experience all sorts of different beings like Sasquatch, fairies. Tell us about that experience. Well, Sophia is, was the chair of this uh, council called the Council of Wise Ones. The council of Wise Ones is a, a group of very wise and advanced souls. I mean, they've had countless incarnations on Earth, and so they, they know exactly what incarnating on Earth is like. Um, and so they don't do that anymore, but they're there to advise people to look after the incarnations on earth so for example you're on the other side and you're preparing a life plan somebody from the council will go over your life plan with you make sure it's not too difficult because if it is you might end up in suicide uh, and if it's too easy you're probably not going to learn very much so they sort of give you some guidance but they can't dictate to you exactly what to put in there final decision is yours and so they're there to help um, and, and, and so, uh, yeah, Sophia was a lovely person who had, she had incarnated on Earth and other places, and she had, had actually incarnated as a reptilian on another planet at one point. Um, so that was the council, and, and, and they wanted me to go with Albert to, to, to view uh, different places on Earth, different places in the universe, so I could write about it. So the, the, uh, the, the first stop was, at, was after Sophia was, was to, to have a conversation with Gaia, Consciousness Mother Earth who really was, uh, she's fiercely protected, protective of her, of her, all of her animals, including humans, her plants and her ecosystem. And she wants everything to be nicely balanced, everyone to live in harmony. The problem is that humans have become abusive. You know, we abuse one another, we abuse the animals on the planet, and we pollute Mother Earth, you know. And she's really upset at the fact that since the Industrial Revolution, we've been really good at polluting the, the planet, you know. We, noxious fumes and, and, and poisons on her soil and garbage in her oceans and rivers and well, you know the, the story. Um, so she's really upset at that. Her warning to, to me was to tell your fellow humans, we're gonna have to change our ways or it could end very badly for us. She said, you may have noticed that recently there's been an increase in the number and intensity of natural disasters on earth, you know, hurricanes, floods, fires in Australia, whatever, you know, she says, that's gonna keep on, keep on and get worse unless you guys change your minds and change the course of action of what you're doing. So then after that, I got to, to see it. Uh, and I said to Albert, so um, I was really surprised that our planet had a consciousness. And he said, oh, she's got a few surprises up her sleeve. So he, he, he took me to see two of what I would call the fabled creatures of our planet. There's many of them, but two of them. One was a Sasquatch and one was an Irish fairy, which was really quite fascinating. And the Sasquatch was, uh, it was actually in a forest in the Pacific Northwest of America, and uh, she was quite a very intelligent, sensitive, uh, emotional creature. Um, and and they've been hiding from humans. They've been around since the very early days. They've been hiding from humans because they think we're violent and aggressive, and uh, they're afraid that if they make contact with us, we'll capture them and put them in a lab and poke and prod them, or display them as a circus freak. And so they're really they're, they're afraid of that. Um, but they're very peace-loving, so they're not going to sort of go to war with humans. Uh, they just, we're going to avoid you guys. So they hide in underground caves. And the interesting thing is that she said they have this, which she called sort of an animal-sensitive radar, which allows them to detect 
humans from several miles away. That really helps them avoid detection with humans. Now, they have been sighted from time to time. People have seen them. They've left footprints occasionally, um, but they're very, very good at just avoiding open contact. And her, her hope was that someday humans would become more peaceful and less aggressive, and so that they could come out in the open and say, hi, fellow humans, we're here to live peacefully on your planet with you. And the fairy had a similar story. Um, uh, she said that they, originally they sort of occupied the island of, uh, of Ireland, and um, they had a great time. They lived in peace and harmony. And all of a sudden, humans came along to the island a long time ago, and they thought that initially they were just, humans were just bigger versions of themselves. But they soon found out that humans were not very nice people. They were violent and aggressive, just like the Sasquatch found out. And so the fairies have been hiding underground ever since. And they come out just occasionally, sometimes they're spotted. Again, their wish was, we wish that we were back to the old days before humans were so uh, you know, violent and aggressive and so dominating of the planet. You know? And so very interesting. It, is, it just goes to show you that where, where there's smoke, there's usually some fire. People have been talking about Sasquatch and Yeti and Bigfoot for ages. Uh, people in Ireland have been talking about the little people for a long time. And they actually do exist. And, and Albert just wanted, again, wanted me to know that, um, you know, we think that uh, humans are the dominant, well, we are dominant in a sense, but we're not the only intelligent race. There's other races that have as much intelligence or even more. I mean, the, the fairies and the Sasquatch can communicate by telepathy. Most humans can't. I mean, we have, you know, we only... Somebody said we only use 10% of our brain power. We need to expand that in order to start communicating by telepathy. So very interesting travels. And uh, I really hope that, that humans can change it away so that we can you know, greet these, uh, these creatures who are hiding from us and let them live out in the open among us. I agree. And uh, that's exactly what I want to talk to you about in closing is, do you think that during you know, our lifetime that we could possibly reach the point to where we'll have the be uh you know the communication with these beings where they won't feel threatened by us all the time where we can you know reach a more enlightened state of humanity um, i see a lot more people waking up i see us slowly headed towards that point but there's also a lot of obstacles a lot of things that are keeping us from reaching that um, we're keeping ourselves in many ways uh, do you see this happening, and does your spirit guide, do they see this happening? But, uh, Albert won't give me specifics, but he says he's very optimistic that we can actually do this, and he won't give a time frame. Uh, you know, he, I mean, if, he, if, he gives, if he says, he has to be careful, if he says, yeah, you guys are going to do it for sure, then a lot of people just give up and say, okay, well, I don't need to do anything. And if he says, no, you guys aren't going to make it, well, then the same thing, people will just give up. So he's saying, you have to keep on working at it. I'm optimistic, but I'm not going to say give you a guarantee that it'll happen because we have free will. You can't control our free will. Right. So all we can do is he's saying that we're he's saying there's really more and more people becoming spiritually enlightened, um, and and that's a good thing. He said that 30 years ago I wouldn't have written my books, and if I did, nobody would read them because we weren't at that stage. And so now there's a lot more people who can, uh, uh, you know, who can appreciate the the, the spiritual message that he's been giving. Um, you know, and people come to these conferences and there's all kinds of, of body, mind and spirit conferences all over the place. More and more people are becoming aware. And that's what we need to do. If you become spiritually aware, you realize that what we really have to do is embrace love and compassion and discard our negative emotions. The negative emotions is what causes all the problems. Very well said.
Garnett, thank you so much for talking with me and enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you for having me, Chris. All right, thank you. Take care. At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool. At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at American.edu slash gradschool.